This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Cherish You podcast. Woot, woot. Okay. Um, so um, this episode was uh, really kind of um, inspired on a whim, actually. I was uh, listening to uh, Glennon Doyle's uh, We Can Do Hard Things podcast about where she was talking about her... Um, eating disorder diagnosis that she had received. Um, I'm not gonna give away what what that was about, but um, if you uh, if you're interested, you should go check out her podcast um, from the the first one in January, I think it was. And she said something in the podcast while I was listening to her that um, really um, it kind of triggered a memory I had because it was, um, I had a similar experience in 20, in the early part of 2022. And what she said was that when she got her diagnosis and she was reading up on it, she realized that the stuff that she thought was her personality were all really symptoms of a disease. And I, um, I often get this with um, myself, as I just said, and with my clients a lot, where they think that a lot of what they, of how they move in the world is their personality when really they're all trauma, trauma responses. And like one example of that is um, ADHD, and especially in women, it presents very differently with women. Part of a big reason why they don't get diagnosed um, until way later in life compared to to men and boys, but um, like I, I I remember one one client was like she was very attached to this diagnosis, very very attached, and um, when I when we tried when we went in to explore as to why she was so attached to it. She was going through it and all these things and like, yeah, there were some things about the diagnosis, like, you know, about the disease, quote unquote, you know, uh, her, her mental, her neurodivergence, I guess, um, and how it, how it made life harder. But in other points, it, it was like, she, she was super creative and she thought of things differently and all this other stuff. And when I explained to her that ADHD really was just a trauma response to a, uh, like a, a, an unstable or chaotic home life, she would actually initially got really angry. And I had a similar experience when I was um, self-diagnosing myself early on in my, rec- in my healing. And I, um, 
and I, I didn't take it personally, her response, her, her anger response, because it's a, it's actually a pretty common response that I've seen, but it was almost like when I told her that it's just a response to trauma that I was negating everything she liked about herself and also how she, um, kind of excused herself for certain things. And that kind of got me, um, when I was listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast and she said, um, that quote, I was like, okay, so that it, it is very, very, um, common for a lot of people who are in a trauma state in an active trauma state. Now, whether that, whether you're that, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're actively being traumatized. It just means that your nervous system is still dysregulated. So you're still, um, acting in a way as if you are being actively traumatized, you're doing all of those coping mechanisms. And for me, it was a mix of depression, anxiety, and ADHD. And for a long time, I considered these things my personality trait, like I was just somebody who went and did all these things. And I did all these other things to cope with these because I had these conditions. Um, And so I kind of laugh because it is true that for a lot of abuse survivors, especially childhood um, narcissistic trauma, when you are coming out of that and you're an adult and you're learning how to function in the world and you realize slowly but surely, but that a lot of the things that you consider your personality are really just trauma responses. And that if you heal yourself, that all of a sudden you may not recognize the person you are on the other side of all those things. And there is a bit, bit of a grieving process that has to happen for you to actually integrate the both the trauma into your like into and out of your system and and um and integrate the healing work that you're doing. And that's honestly a part of the work that really gets skipped over or minimalized, I think, in a lot of spaces. It is not easy to A, recognize, whether it's somebody who informs you of that, or if you get to that realization at some point on your own, that everything you thought you were isn't real. It's even harder when you realize that you don't know who you are. It's very, especially in a world that is always telling you, you need to know who you are, otherwise you're nothing, or you're somehow are less, or you're not valid, or you don't qualify. What for, you know, however, whatever else you want to fill in the blank with after that. And... <clears throat> It's it's really important to understand, I think, A, what a trauma response is, and I'll give a definition that I use um, in a second, and also to understand that you have to be willing to give that up and be willing to discover who you are um, before, so that so that you have a chance at living this like one life you have to some sort of fulfilling degree. Now, um, the trauma response, what I, how I define it as is a protest is a protective response from an underdeveloped and or unregulated brain. So, 
underdeveloped because if you're someone who experienced, I, I work with a lot of trauma, trauma, um, abuse victims, um, childhood trauma, um, childhood abuse victims. Um, so there's an underdevelopedness to the brain and you kind of, and your brain's doing the absolute best it can, given that it doesn't really know what it's doing yet. It's not fully grown. It doesn't have all the tools at its disposal and it's in a place and environment that it doesn't know how to regulate itself. It doesn't have anybody around it to help you regulate because you usually learn that from your parents. If your parents weren't very regulated, they're not going to be able to teach you how to do that. And also you have, it's not a fully grown brain. Um, what, and also if you are, if you were exposed to toxins in utero, it could be anything ranging from alcohol and cigarettes to, you know, heavy metals, anything like that. It can also um, affect the development of your brain also affect its ability to regulate, um, to learn how to regulate. Um, so, all of that is is a is the context of which your brain will create these responses that it is doing the absolute best it can for you. It doesn't have an agenda, you know. Its whole point is to keep you alive. So it's gonna do the absolute best it can and it's gonna come up with these characteristics that you will internalize as your personality, but really are just responses to the trauma that it is experiencing and it doesn't know how to resolve. And this is the best way it knows how in order to be able to protect you. And while that definition is helpful for a lot of people, um, it, it can also be frustrating because how do you undo that now? And, and it's hard, like this work is hard. Learning about how your brain and body work together, how they respond. If you are able to be in a safe and secure place now in your life, how to undo all of those trauma responses um, so that you don't, um, so, so you, so you kind of, you, you kind of, um, I don't, I think I'm losing the words because I don't like the original term I had come up with, but you're, when, if you're in a space in your life right now where you are able to be safe and secure to some degree where you're able to do this work, you're, when you start to unravel what you consider your personality as, and, and you, and you, and you start to realize that they're trauma responses, there is this like kind of void you enter. And I remember going through this a few times. I thought I, 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 when I went through it the first time, I thought that was it. And then it turns out, no, no, there's more. It's like peeling an onion. You, there's still kind of more for a while. And even then, like if you go through another trauma later on in your life, after you've done a lot of this work, the healing work, you'll still kind of see yourself revert back. The only, the only kind of, I guess, like silver lining in that is that you, um, you kind of, most likely you'll be able to recognize what you're doing and you can get the help that you need or uh, tap into the resources you have in order to help yourself a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit more um, uh, completely than you did when you were a child or whenever you first experienced the trauma and you didn't have any of those tools available for you. So the number one thing that really comes up 
for myself and for the people that I work with is that my body is my number one tool. Um, I have not always been in the healthiest relationships in my life. I have not always been surrounded by the healthiest people who can help me do this work. I've actually, most of the people that I meet in, um, around my healing work have been online. So I don't have the person to person contact that, um, allows me to co-regulate with the person, um, the way that honestly your body kind of responds best to. If you are in a space where you are in a relationship or have relationships in your life that are safe and can help you with that, um, co-regulation is probably the easiest and most effective way to quickly learn how to get back to normal, whatever normal is. Now, as you're doing this, there is one thing that will, um, will happen and you need to make space for this because it's absolutely normal and there's nothing wrong with you and you will come out of the other end being, feeling and being more complete and aligned with who you're actually supposed to be. And that's this, there's this grieving process. Um, once you realize that everything you kind of considered to be you turns out just to be this facade, this character that you've played because A, that's all you knew, and B, that was how you were surviving. Um, but you also can't survive. Like now, now you, that there's, there's kind of like this line in the sand between you surviving and you being able to actually like live and living is not the same as survival. They're not the same thing. Your nervous system doesn't perceive them as the same thing. Your body doesn't perceive them as the same thing. And as you shift from surviving to living, some people call it thriving, but for me, it's like you're going from survival to actually just living. Um, that shift will require you to be not only just a completely different version of yourself, but to be yourself. And for the first time, there are a lot of people who go, when they go through this process, for the first time, they are learning about who they are, what they like, what they don't like, how they like to spend their day. Like everything is different. Everything is different. This is something that for um, I, drug addicts, I think I've seen um, who have been in recovery for a long time and they have actually stuck with it. That's the thing that is so very different for them is that they are absolutely completely different people because their, their addiction was a trauma response. So once you shift out of that and you're no longer responding to your trauma in that way and you're resolving some of the trauma that you've lived with, all of a sudden, yeah, you are a different person. Because now you're, you're finally giving yourself the time, space, and permission to be you. And that can be not only a, a grieving process for yourself, it's going to be a grieving process for the people around you. It's why a lot of people, when they go through their healing journey, they lose so many people in their lives because, or they lose relationships um, that they thought were like rock solid and completely stable because it turns out those relationships only existed as long as you were responding from a, from, from a trauma state. As long as you were being acting as somebody who has all these trauma responses that those relationships were fine. You all of a sudden shift out of that. Those relationships shift out of your life because 
you as a living person without having those trauma characteristics all of a sudden don't work. Those relationships will not work for you. You don't fit into those relationships. You as a puzzle piece have changed. So the puzzle you now fit into is a completely different one. And there is a very, um, very deep grieving process that happens. I know for me, it ha- it happened this year um, when I realized that a lot of the things that I was doing, um, particularly in my relationship um, with my boyfriend, I was... Um, I was re-experiencing a lot of trauma I thought I had resolved. It popped up a lot with him. And as I was working through it, I realized that, yes, there were some things that were still kind of true. I did want to hold someone accountable. I did I did expect to be treated a certain way, but I didn't have to go about it the way that I was because the way that I was was a trauma response the, the the method in which I went about asking for my needs to be met there I can ask for my needs to be met and not be a mean person while I'm doing it I don't have to be angry while I'm doing it and I don't have to be sad angry or mean when they don't get met because it's possible that this person just doesn't know how to meet those needs they don't have the information They've never had to. Um, they've never been around somebody who explicitly asks for things like that. Um, and also, maybe it's just not their responsibility. Maybe I'm asking for a need to be met from somebody else that I'm actually supposed to meet for myself, or that's supposed to come from a different, completely different person in my life. And again, because I'm working my through my own trauma, um, it's hard to not put all of that on this one relationship when I need to understand that there are still things that I am responsible for myself and I don't have to hold that against this person. That's something that I used to do. And I, and I, I'm glad to say that I've now come out on the other side of it. And I, I try not to overcorrect and take responsibility for everything. Um, but I am, um, I also know that there are still a lot of things that only I can take care of for me or like, my my doctor or my therapist or you know a, there's like a, there's one friend that I can go to on some of this stuff that I can uh, that will help me kind of validate me on certain things and that's just it's not not necessary to put it on my boyfriend it's just it's not it's just not a thing and he doesn't need to be the be all end all for me and our relationship is much happier and healthier for it and that's fine. Even if I can meet that same exact need for him, it doesn't mean that he has to meet that same exact need for me. Like it, you have to be able to be adjustable and cognizant of how the pieces shift within your life. And that just like, just cause you fit into one end of a puzzle for one person that end of the puzzle for you may be fit by somebody else or just by you on your own. And those are important things to kind of take into account. And if you are someone who, who's on this journey and you're realizing that a lot of the things about yourself that you kind of considered to be, well, this is who I am and this is how I operate in the world and this is how I see things. And it turns out that really they're trauma responses, what does it mean? Like before you start getting going, like you're going to go through the emotional grieving process and have all the feelings that come with that, right? But after you kind of let yourself feel everything, take an inventory and be like, what did it mean 
from when I if I had this trait, what did that mean about me? Like how what did that what did that mean about how I operated in the world? What is that what what kind of quality does that trait mean for me? And is there another way that I can embody the quality without having that trait in there? Because I guarantee you there is a healthier way of being generous that isn't people pleasing. There's another way of being kind that isn't um, being a doormat. You know, like it's just, there's another way of being assertive without being dominating. Now, you know, there's a, there's always a more um, aligned way of being what it is that you want to be. And by the way, after you've moved, after you kind of get through that grieving process, you actually get to realize that you can be whatever you want to be. You really do. It's just that the trauma makes us into people who are doing things that we have to do in order to survive. But once you kind of move through that, you give yourself the freedom to be whatever you want to be. You give yourself the permission to be whatever it is you want to be. And I think that that, kind, that, that prospect of it kind of gets lost when we're talking about trauma survival and trauma responses. Like I, if you are somebody who likes being, who like identifies as being creative and you attribute that to being, to having ADHD, you can still be creative and not have ADHD. There are plenty of people who do that. It's not a requirement that you have to have ADHD in order to be creative. Can you tap in? What do you need to do to be more creative? Are there, are, are there certain, um, things in your day that you need to do in order to tap into that. For me, that's meditation and movement. Um, once I do those two things, I'm more able to get the words out of my mouth when I, when I speak on here. I'm more able to listen to a song and come up with new choreography than I would if I'm just listening to music because I'm in a dead space right now, or I'm just listening to music to cope. Um, I'm more willing to, uh, write, um, uh, uh, creatively, and that doesn't necessarily mean creative writing, but like I'm more able to write freely if I've kind of like let myself get centered and grounded when I meditate, you know, or quiet my mind so that I can see what my heart has to say. So those are just all examples. Like just because you have a trauma response as a personality trait doesn't make you a bad person. It's just something that happens and it's a normal response to trauma. The, the abnormality, quote unquote, kind of comes in when you are fixated that if you lose this identification, that somehow you're not you anymore. And I guarantee you that there, there is at least one person in your life who would say that, well, that's, I mean, I love you because you're here, not because of that thing that you think identifies you. So give yourself some space and some grace around that. Um, and it's, it's okay. You're going to be fine. It's not a bad thing, but be willing to be curious about why it is that you identify with the trauma response as being who you are. And maybe there's a middle ground that you haven't seen because you've been so consumed with 
um, keeping this trait intact when really it's the quality you're looking for. It's the quality that that trait embodies is that is, is what you're looking for. And there's got to be another way um, that you can be the quality without having to do this thing that is now detrimental to you because you've now outgrown it. You've outhealed it. All right. I hope that's helpful to somebody. Um, I know it was helpful for me when I heard it. It kind of triggered all these things and it was funny. Um, it was something I've been wanting to talk about, just didn't come up until now. Um, I, uh, I'm so grateful for anybody who, who everybody who listens today and, um, I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.